You're listening to the Christian Humanist Radio Network, christianhumanist.org. Just when you thought it was safe to assume that everybody understands that the Earth is a sphere spinning on its axis, tilted at 23.5 degrees from the plane of its orbit around the Sun, 93 million miles away, just when you thought it was safe to get back into the water, you find out you're wrong. The Flat Earthers are back. A July 7, 2017 article in the Denver Post chronicles the travails of a growing class of flat earth believers in Fort Collins, Colorado, and brings to light the fact that a number of those who reject the pic- the number of those who reject the picture of the earth as a globe is increasing. Numerous celebrities including basketball players and musicians have added their voice to support this belief that the earth is a flat circular plane and the sun is a short distance away. Uh, orbiting around in a circle above said Earth. This summer, uh, we've been busy, uh, your Book of Nature hosts, and I thought we'd uh, take a look uh, a little bit more lighthearted topic, perhaps, a little bit uh, less prep needed, um, at uh, a very interesting phenomenon that has uh, come to light in, in the news. So welcome all to the Book of Nature podcast. My name is Todd Pedler, and I'm an associate professor of physics at Luther College in Decorah, Iowa, and I'll be your host for this particular broadcast. Uh, joining me this sunny summer day from the Great White North at Briarcrest College and Seminary in Karenport, Saskatchewan, is associate professor of psychology Charles Hackney. How's it going? Oh, it's hot here. We are in the middle of a massive dry heat wave. It's unpleasant. Thank so God for dry, though. So what? It's it's uh, seventy-five Fahrenheit then. Uh, that was a joke. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, we're in the uh, we're, we're averaging in the the low thirties Celsius. Woo, that's pretty uh, good. <laughs> that's that's not that's that's a little warm. <laughs> but is it dry? If it's dry, if it's dry. Well, yeah, it's dry, it's, but it's still you know sit around the house with fans triangulated on you. <laughs> um, local farmers are not having a good time. We were uh, you know, chatting with um, uh, some of the uh, some of the Hutterites around here, and they're saying that. Uh, but if they get another week of this uh, hot, dry weather, their crops are going to be in some serious trouble. Mm. And that conversation was about a week ago, so I guess their crops are in serious trouble today. Oh man, man! Well, our third partner in crime you've already heard from joins us from Purdue University in West Lafayette, Indiana, where he is assistant professor in the Department of Earth, Atmospheric, and Planetary Sciences. And that would be Dan Dawson. Dan, how are you? Pretty good. Um, in contrast to uh, um, Charles' predicament, it's been rather wet here lately. Mm. Um, I haven't emptied my rain gauge in the last few days, but it looks like there's probably four or so inches in there uh-huh. from s- series of storms we've had the last uh, a few days. Mm. Uh, so um, we're sort of on the edge of this uh, high-pressure system and call it the ring of fire, and you just get... Uh, you know, continuous storms. Although now we got a front cold came, came through today, so it's cooled down and dried out a little bit, yeah. which is nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, hmm. uh, yeah, things have been busy, like you said. Um, 
Even out chasing a, storms, I guess, right? Yeah, had a class that I took some students out chasing. We didn't get any tornadoes. Right. And a couple of days after it ended, I went back out to Iowa and saw a tornado. So, yeah. Um, and there's actually was some tornadoes here in uh, Indiana a couple of days ago, which I missed, but I did see a nice supercell not too far from my house. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, all, all the storms have passed by our south. We haven't really had much of, of anything in the way of, uh, of, of significant storms. So Yeah, I was going to ask, I don't know if you saw that, that video of that. It was a really, really nice video of a nice white uh, elephant trunk tornado in mm-hmm. eastern Iowa. Yep. I was wondering if you had seen it. Yeah, that. it was a couple hours south of us, yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah, so... Other than that, uh, just, mm-hmm. just busy with, you know, proposals and, you know, right. research. Right, Yep. Yeah, yeah. So it's been it's been pretty busy here, uh, research-wise. I've got three students with me this summer, and uh, and they're they've got another couple weeks, a uh, couple weeks left, and, and then I'll have them all in the fall working um, sort of part time. So um, anyway, yeah, yeah. So um, uh, you know, I kind of want to make this a fairly freewheeling discussion. Um, it's a it's a very interesting topic for me to think about as a as a as a scientist. Um, uh, kind of questions like a, you know what do you, what do you do when someone tries to put together a model and and scientifically justify it, uh, make arguments for why observations are the way they are within this the the, the framework of that model. That's what these people are doing. Uh, the flat Earth Society is. Um, uh, has been around for 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 a while uh, since the 50s. I think the most the most recent incarnation um, in the U.S. What do you all know about um, maybe the, the the flat Earth Society in general, or uh, what they believe about the structure of the Earth and 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 the universe? Either one of you. Well, we do know that uh, the uh, the Earth is a disk, not a globe. Um, surrounded by a wall of ice. That's what Antarctica is. And Antarctica is, this, is a giant wall of ice. Um, and uh, fans of uh, you know, Game of Thrones, Song of Ice and Fire, uh, could uh, come up with their own speculation for why the, uh, the, uh, uh, the wall of ice exists. And, and uh, you know, if you've ever seen a polar projection map, there are sometimes these, these maps which you see with the North Pole in the center, and Antarctica actually being, you know, uh, a wall of ice in some sense around the outside, um, that's, that's the picture that they have, as I understand it, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and if, you, if you did, if you took, you know, if you did a polar stereographic projection, from the North Pole onto the plane, that's what it would look like. You would get Antarctica would be, you know, surrounding everything and would be actually the South Pole would be out at infinity. So they're basically taking that projection as essentially reality. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, in, their, okay. in their model. And the sun, where is it? So that would be. The sun idea is that it, it's doing this circular orbit at a certain altitude above uh, the, the surface of the Earth. So if you can envision there being this plane, um, the sun would be you know several thousand miles above it, I guess, um, mm-hmm. and going around in a circle, uh, orbiting the uh, the uh, what 
we would consider the North Pole. Mm -hmm. uh, and that, that that circle widens or contracts depending on the season, which to, which to them helps explain, you know, why the sun's path in the sky um, changes with the seasons, which it does. Um, and I don't know, though, how they would handle uh, how they handle uh, the sun rising and setting. I think the one one argument I've seen is that the sun is like a spotlight pointing down and it so it's not shining out isotropically it's more like a cone like a like a street light as it moves around in a circle and so if you don't happen to be under that spotlight part it's nighttime but that still doesn't explain why we see the sun rise and set and uh, I, I, I confess that I I don't I didn't follow up enough on it to know what their explanation for that is maybe one hmm. of you two had hmm well, according to the uh, uh, the, the FAQ of the uh, the Flat Earth Society, <coughs> the uh, uh, the apparent effect of the sun rising and setting uh, is about perspective. Uh, so, uh, something about how. Uh, the line of the horizon is always eye level with the observer, and the further things away, uh, further away things are, uh, the uh, the smaller uh, they appear. Um, so yeah. Okay. Um, the, the, the fact. That <laughs> even though the, even though that doesn't happen when the sun sets. No. Hush. <laughs> 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 well, I, I, you know I. Yeah, I don't the, the moon the that. moon must do the same thing uh, right apparently yeah this uh, okay th this take on uh, perspective is not something that uh, we covered in my uh, sensation and perception research uh, training <laughs> the, well so um, the the way I have read it on on their website and we're we're going to post um, several links including the the link to the flat Earth society on um, on the show notes page. Um, the argument is related to the argument about looking at a pair of train tracks that are going off in the distance, that they do shrink to nothing uh, at, at some distance away. Um, so that argument, what, as I understand it, if that's the way that they see this, that argument doesn't tell us why the sun goes from being high in the sky to being behind the mountains up in the horizon or behind the ocean if you're on the west coast as it sets uh, doesn't explain why the size the angular size of the sun doesn't change throughout its motion uh, apparent motion in the sky um, yeah I think I think that's the biggest thing there is like if this if this was the a true model of of, of the earth and the and the earth and sun relationship you would as the sun is traversing around you know uh it's closer to some parts of the earth's surface than others and so depending on where you are on the surface you should clearly see the sun changing apparent size in the sky and it just doesn't do that it, it, I, it, it definitely doesn't do that you have to come up with all kinds of uh mm -hmm. weird contortions uh, to to try to to explain that um but go ahead. We I, we we can I well, can I can follow up on that a little bit later. Oh yeah, no, yeah, I mean it, the, the the only the the only place on the Earth for which this 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 kind of model seems to work at all 
um, would be during the summer months north of the Arctic Circle, you know, or let's say we're at the, at, you know, at the uh, at the North Pole. What happens, you know, uh, at the North Pole during the summer, um, the northern hemisphere summer, rather, uh, is the sun goes around in a circle, and 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 so this picture of the of, of the sun doing this in some sort of flat circular orbit uh, above the plane of the earth for some limited part of the year uh, in the north in, in the north polar region I can see justification it seems oh, sure, like it would work sure. out um, as, as yeah, a because I can, uh, I, I can attest to that Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, I've never been that far north, but no, I don't know. Oh, yeah. If you, to. if you ever get to Fairbanks uh, around solstice time, you uh, you ought to see the uh, the midnight sun baseball game. Yeah, uh, I've yeah, always wanted to. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. They, they start so, the game at, uh, if I remember correctly, uh, it's either 10 or 10.30. I think it's 10 o'clock at night. Play the whole game with uh, no artificial illumination. Nice. It's awesome. <laughs> but, yeah, I, yeah you're, I think you're right, Todd. And one way of, one way of of recognizing that is, you know, um, in a, in the spherical Earth model, as I'm going to call it, uh, during the course of this uh, <laughs> discussion, um, charitable, charitable, yeah, um, in the in the in the spherical Earth model, um, when that that makes sense because the the axis is tilted, you know, in this in the summer the northern uh, North Pole is tilted towards the sun, so a certain distance around is always in daylight and so the sun does look like it's going around basically traversing a circle and it'll dip down close to the horizon but you know won't quite you know uh make it all the way down mm. for certain times of the year in the summer um but uh the reason why that also works in the flat earth scenario is because you to a good approximation um the earth surface is flat for a you know a small enough area of the earth so near the north pole um you can make that flat earth approximation at least in the qualitative sense and you would see the same basic feature mm -hmm. the problem mm -hmm. comes is when you start trying to apply that to the whole earth when obviously you you if it's curved you can't do that and then you get that's where you run into the problems where okay the sun rises and sets and mm -hmm. you have to explain that away etc but it's sort of like approximating when you're talking about this special circumstance near the North Pole, it's sort of like approximating um, a, a a curve with the tangent, you know, to that curve, you know, for mm -hmm. a certain small area around the curve, and uh, uh, as is done in you know lots of numerical mm -hmm. approximations and things like that. So um, mathematically, it works out as at least an approximate sense why the the two models seem to agree mm -hmm. for that particular area I, I'm, I'm curious what what they would do uh, what they have to do or how they account for the fact that you know at at the North Pole or even it's it's visible this way at you know in the northern regions of Alaska and Norway and elsewhere um, the, the 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 Sun itself executes a tilted circle in the sky right um, and you know as the summer 
uh, you know, uh, retreats and you, you, you approach towards fall, that, that's, you know, if you're above the Arctic Circle, what you get is that tilted circle uh, having the sun dip below the horizon for increasing periods of time during each day. Um, so I, I wonder how that is taken care of in their model. That's something I'm not totally familiar with. Um, but uh, you yeah, know, for, it must it must be that the you know the way I've envisioned this their their model it must be that they they see they they, they must have the sun executing a tilted circle above the plane so that the plane of the sun's circular path is not the same as the the, the is not parallel to the plane of the Earth's surface. Um, Which of course again brings us back to the issue of the change in the parent size of the sun doesn't change right ever in the sky right um except for you know your your certain uh uh, uh optical effects near the horizon because of, of uh you have you know the the whole thing about why does the sun or, or the moon for that matter look larger near the horizon mm -hmm. um has to do with you know refraction effects and things like that but other than that um uh there's there is demonstrably no change in the angular society angular size at least um not a, a large one um, for that that would you would expect to be sure. happen happening if this flat earth scenario was correct so right. that to me i think that's the biggest biggest okay. you could oh you could try to explain other things away mm. a little bit but, but i just don't see how you explain that one away without yeah. bringing in all kinds of you know metaphorical epicycles into, right. into the play. <laughs> we've, and epicycles yeah. we've talked about before too, I guess, in, <laughs> in cosmology. Yeah. But, so, so, I yeah. mean, that, I guess that, yeah. that brings up a larger point here. Mm. It's like, okay, we can talk about different models of, of, of the universe uh, or the, what mm. we see around us. Mm. Uh, from a, and, and science, this is what we do with science. We, we come up with these models and we, um, we, we um, that seem to explain our observations and we talked about the principle of parsimony in previous episodes is like we tend to favor in science those models that have fewer assumptions fewer moving parts so to speak that explain the same data so um this is an extreme example of that is like you i'm sure that there 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 are people in the flatter society who are incredibly intelligent people you know who you know who are have come up with a lot of elaborate explanations to fit the observations we have into a flat earth model but invariably those are going to be far more complex in their inner workings and their details with a lots of arbitrary like again epicycles to explain the same observations that are much more easily and elegantly explained by just you know saying hey the earth's a sphere by golly or a spheroid mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. and uh and so i think that's that's one aspect of this that should be brought to bear is that mm -hmm. um is this principle of parsimony yeah 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 they're uh i'm seeing kind of an interesting connection with uh thomas kuhn's view of science uh hmm. with this so uh, Kuhn's idea of um, scientific paradigms is that you have sort of what you might call a central insight uh, into uh, whatever the scientific subject matter is, and you start <coughs> you know, building your theories and testing your hypotheses, and um, as you, uh, you know, d 
develop this this paradigm, this view of uh, of the world, there are going to be certain uh, certain observations that do not fit the paradigm. And what usually happens with science is that uh, we either come up with an explanation that preserves the paradigm, or we sort of set it aside and say, that's something we need to figure out. And it's not until uh, we we get sort of a critical mass of um, potentially disconfirming observations that we start to question the underlying paradigm itself. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Well, and that and that, that that very thing is brought up in this in this article uh, where um, someone uh, in in this Fort Collins branch, I guess, of of the society, um, was asked, "What are we going to do about the August twenty first eclipse? We're going to have to come up with some explanation for how that works." Yeah. Um, which says to me they don't really have a good model for eclipses. Yeah, uh, and and that's sort of telling there. It's like, and I've seen some of the, uh, in other articles about this, you know, some of the same kind of language. It's just like, oh, yeah, we got to explain this, and oh, yeah, we can explain that too. It's almost, it's almost as if, okay, that it, it's a real extreme example of, of of confirmation bias, where hmm. you 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 come up, you 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 posit a model, this case flat Earth, and then by you know come hell or high water, you are going to make everything fit into it, mm-hmm. you know, and and the, and one thing that I've noticed, and maybe Charles can chime in on this. I don't. I this is just my my perspe- perspective uh, perception that I that I have about this, which could be subject to its own confirmation bias but Hmm. it seems to me that a lot of folks folks that tend to um not aren't able to step outside of you know their their own paradigm of how they think about things to to conceive of the possibility that their model of how the world works might be wrong and that they might have to adjust it are ones that tend to fall into these kinds of groups that tend to say, you know, okay, this is what I believe about it, and I'm going to find, you know, I'm going to find it all this stuff that will fit it, you know, and either ignore the stuff that doesn't fit it, or try to make it work somehow. And I mean, we're all guilty of that to some extent, but it seems like this is like the extreme, you know, you know, end version of that. Hmm. Um, am I am, am I right about that, or is there more to it than that? <coughs> Well, um, you are right in that it is something that we are all uh, subject to. Uh, So the the question of uh, who who believes this sort of thing, (coughs) I uh, I did some poking around in the research literature on uh, conspiracy theories, which is usually, which is the explanation that is given uh, for a lot of these, uh, I'll call them apparently disconfirming observations for the Flat Earth model. Uh, so if you uh, look at the, uh, the Flat Earth Society and some of the uh, discussions and comments threads and stuff like that, and you say things like, well, we've been into orbit and we've seen pictures. That looks spherical. And they'll say, yeah, well, it's photoshopped. Why is it photoshopped? Yeah. Because it's a government yeah. conspiracy. Um, mm mm-hmm. 
and that's right there in that frequently asked questions. They just they just go right to playing the conspiracy card for the space right. stuff. <coughs> so, um, there was a study published in let me see here uh, the American Journal of Political Science in 2014. Uh, the researchers took a look at uh, conspiracy theories, and they cast a wide net. Uh, everything from JFK to fake moon landing uh, to 9-11 was an inside job, uh, all that sort of stuff. And one of the things that they found uh, is that if you, if you cast that wide a net, so everything from Dan Brown uh, Illuminati stuff uh, to uh, you know, Princess Diana's death and things like that, um, half of the population endorses at least one conspiracy theory. So if we're going to talk about the psychology of conspiracy theories, we're not really talking about um, a, you know, uh, I mean, yeah, I would call this a more extreme form of the uh, of this phenomenon, but it's a phenomenon that is fairly universal. <coughs> and, I mean, you, know, you, talk, you talk about... Uh, confirmation bias. Uh, some related research is uh, what's called the belief perseverance effect. Uh, essentially, once we have uh, committed to a position, then there is this whole set of uh, sort of egocentric cognitive biases that get uh, involved uh, because we are motivated, for, we're motivated to a couple of things. We're motivated to make sense of the world uh, and we are motivated to maintain a relatively positive opinion of ourselves. So the idea that my theory is wrong challenges both of them. <coughs> so if you want to bring some evidence that my, my theory is wrong, you better bring some serious evidence or else I'm going to try and come up with some explanation uh, for why you know the, the evidence doesn't count. It's not real. Um, it's, you know you know, the Russians did it or something like that. Um, you know, and, and the Russians did it actually works for a lot of this stuff because, you know, things like faked moon landing comes into this. Uh, so the, the, the Russians and the Americans are, were so emotionally involved in the space race that they faked all this spacey stuff, uh, to make it look like they won the space race. Uh, and then, if you try to show me evidence that that's not the case, well, then I'll, I'll find some way to dismiss it or reinterpret it or something like that. And it's the same thing that um, gets into our political uh, beliefs. We don't even need to go all the way to conspiracy theories. Uh, if you start talking, you know, uh, wh whatever political team we're talking about, mine's better than yours. Uh, so if you come up with some evidence that somebody on my team has done something bad, well, then that's, I'm going to come up with a reason to dismiss that as not credible. Uh, but if I come across evidence that your team did something bad, well, that's pure golden truth right there. <coughs> Same thing goes for stereotype research. Yeah. Uh, if I have the stereotype uh, that, um, well, I'll, I'll be Canadian for a minute here. Um, so if, uh, Americans are uh, aggressive. Uh, and mean. So if you show me a nice American, you get, well, that's an exception. In general, yeah, yeah. It, it's still true. Uh, so that we'll have to come up with all sorts of justifications for why whatever it is I believe, whether we're talking about a stereotype or a political ideology or a conspiracy theory, um, it's true. Whatever it is, I'm, I think it's true. <coughs> and uh, in terms of who might be more vulnerable to this, 
Uh, all, all the research that has tried to come up with some sort of psychological pathology explanation has failed. Uh, mm. I mean, everybody who disagrees with us, we like to call them nut jobs. But there isn't actually a mental health issue involved here. Uh, so some of the studies, uh, the researchers have looked at who is more likely to believe in these conspiracy theories. And mostly what they found is uh, some personality differences. Uh, so those who are more likely to uh, believe in conspiracy theories tend to score lower on the agreeableness uh, dimension of the five-factor model of personality. Uh, and that's largely because um, that you know those who score high on agreeableness they tend to go along. Uh, you know whatever it is that we mm -hmm. do, sure I'll do that. So uh, yeah, Earth is round. Yeah, of course it is. Uh, <coughs> so it, it takes a little bit more of a disagreeable personality uh, to say, hang mm -hmm. on, just because everybody's saying it, that doesn't make it true. Which yeah, uh, which also becomes part of the problem because to to one degree that's a good thing. Yeah, I was just going to say, that's interesting, because that seems to be a quality that many scientists possess. It, it, it is. Um, the, the, an, another group of people who score low on agreeableness is innovators. Uh, because that's the same mindset that gets people mm -hmm. to say, you know, well, what if we look at this technology from a different perspective and everybody's wrong? Or, uh, you know, this, uh, this scientific theory, I think I see some holes in it. Uh, so it, that, this, this is part of what makes this you know, from a psychologist's perspective, a really fun topic, uh, because this is just variations on a theme that we mm. are all engage in, and in some ways is good. Uh, some of the other things that they found, <coughs> uh, these psychologists, for who believes, um, uh, who believes conspiracy theories, uh, they tend to find um, that uh, supporting conspiracy theories is supported by. Uh, a belief in unseen forces, uh, which, you know, a lot of what we do involves a belief in unseen forces. So, you know, I, I mean, if I was to talk to an, uh, an economist, uh, that economist would probably invoke a whole bunch of unseen forces to explain things like markets. Mm -hmm. um, and, <coughs> excuse me, um, you know, a psychologist might talk about social pressures or group dynamics or things like that. Um, and the, exist the existence of unseen political movers. Uh, well, we, you know... The Illuminati. Well, yeah, we got the Illuminati, but we also have the Koch right. brothers and George Soros right, uh, right. and stuff like that. So, yeah, the, there are movers and shakers in the political world. So, again, believing in unseen forces doesn't necessarily make somebody a kook because there are unseen forces out there. Another psychological factor that predicted this is a tendency to distrust the government, which I would call a positive characteristic. <laughs> well, you're a kook. Uh, apparently I'm a kook, yeah. Um, yeah, so th this is something that... that, that so maybe I, I don't want to... Um, steal your thunder here but it seems to me like if, if you're if you're setting up this but it seems like all these qualities that you've laid out here seem to both ha have a have a, a positive dimension to them but so what makes it and and, and, a, and maybe a negative dimension so what makes it what makes it tip over to this sort of thinking 
what makes it tip over from a healthy, you know, characteristic to suddenly, you know, this uh, believing these crazy conspiracies? What what is hmm. that? Is there something that we're missing, or are you going to get to that? <laughs> well, considering half the population apparently does it, I I don't even know if unhealthy is the right way to half say. It. I, I would certainly say what? incorrect. Would half be the population the, does what? Uh, According to this uh, 2014 uh, study, the, 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 the sur- uh, they looked at uh, a series of uh, surveys. Uh, half the population endorses at least one conspiracy theory. Oh, okay. Hmm. Well, maybe that's because some conspiracy theories are, are true. Which or is, are yeah, true. And that's right, which is also part of the problem. <laughs> I mean, we can, th- this is I mean, this is a science podcast. So um, you know, if we get into things like uh, 9/11. Uh, conspiracy theories. People spin a whole bunch of conspiracy theories about 9-11, but, you know, 9-11 actually was a conspiracy. A bunch of people conspired, came up with a plan, got on planes, and flew them into buildings. That's a conspiracy. Stuff (laughs) happens. So, it's a... I guess my answer to your question is I'm not sure where the line is because the line is fuzzy. The the line is fuzzy, and and, and, and I I think half is too few. I mean to be you know, to be honest. I mean, you you mentioned you just threw out there the Koch brothers and George Soros. Well, there, the, there's there. You've got 100 percent of the population who will point at one of them and say they're they're, they're responsible for the other party's uh, you know successes and what have you, right? right? I mean, so <laughs> I I I I think that we tend. To discount that with which we disagree for whatever reason, yeah. and I think it's a I think it's a vastly uh, common problem. Right. Uh, yeah. It, yeah, definitely under under um, underappreciated. No, as an yeah. issue. So yeah, I, I would say that um, I think this sort of stuff should influence our mindset. Uh, when we are uh, dealing with these people and even talking about these people, uh, that you know, the, the, they're, these are not bad people. These are not stupid people. These are not crazy people. Um, th- these sure. are people who, for one reason or another, have uh, gotten some incorrect ideas into their heads and want to maintain them. <coughs> There's this. St- oh, I think this was 2012, 2012 or 2011. One of these. Um, Oh, I've got a bunch of stuff up here. Um, Okay, research on conspiracy theory. Anyway, uh, so yeah, the publication date doesn't really matter. Uh, I'll say recent. There was a recent study that was published. And uh, what the researchers did was they exposed uh, participants to uh, a a video, uh, uh, a moon landing hoax video. So they watched a clip from this, you know, you know, here's all the reasons why the moon landing was a hoax. <coughs> and first off, what they found was that just watching that video uh, did create a measurable increase in their willingness to at least consider the possibility that the moon landing may actually have been a hoax. And then mm-hmm. they did a two-week follow-up, or I think it was two weeks, uh, they, they did a follow-up anyway. Uh, they brought them back, and what they found was that compared to the control group, the group that had been exposed to this moon landing conspiracy video uh, were more inclined uh, to believe other conspiracies. Hmm. So it's mm-hmm. like, once you get what, what, once you get this in your head, 
it starts to become self-perpetuating. Hmm. You, st- you know, it, it, once you're open to the idea that the government lies to us, which again, I, w- I would consider the belief that the government lies to us to be a positive characteristic. But anyway, um, it seems that that's obviously true. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, once you start thinking along these lines, um, it gets really difficult to root the stuff out of the brain. Hmm. Hmm. Now that's that, that that's that's good stuff. Um, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no. Uh, you know, I. Um, it's it, it's interesting to to make the connection to the political sphere because, um, you know, what we tend you know just just to continue riffing on that that line of the government lying to us. We, 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 we do all tend to believe that the government lies to us when the other person's in, you know, someone from the other party's in power. But as soon as we've got our person in office, then, hey, all's good. <laughs> and, and, you know, so I, I guess um, one thing that comes to mind as I think about this, you, you touched on it a little, Charles, um, is, is what do we owe people who have this mindset? Um, uh, We could easily laugh them off, dismiss them, say, you know, say some of the things that you, 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 you negated. Um, Say these people are crazy. Say you're not worth, it's not worth my time to engage with you on that. Um, Given that this is a science podcast, connected to uh, the, the notions of being Christians in science, do we have a Christian responsibility um, that is connected to our being scientists uh, who hope to act with integrity? Um, when somebody, when some group is trying to make an argument that where they're trying to build a scientific model, which I would argue these people are. They, they, you know, they may, they may be. I believe they're mistaken in just about everything about this model. Um, but they're trying to use observations, trying to explain observations in a way that makes use of some kind of scientific argumentation. How do we respond? Well. Um well, the first thing I, I would say is I wanted to say something about what you just said. It's like I agree that they are trying to make a scientific argument. Um, I don't, and I don't believe that they are being successful. Not not merely because I think mm-hmm. their their model is wrong, mm-hmm. but m- because the method that they're doing so is is almost the opposite of what you know what I would consider a healthy scientific attitude to be. Totally agree. And Absolutely. so yep. that would be taking a mm-hmm. model and just, again, we've I've been hammering on this point too much, but, and just trying to fit every single observation into it as with, as if you have to contrive the most ridiculous mm-hmm. scenarios to do it, then okay, that's, that's what they'll do. And I think mm-hmm. that's clearly antithetical to um, science as, as least as I want to practice it, and yeah. What, and uh, and so I w- I would say yes, they believe that they are in trying to make a you know robust scientific model. I just do not believe that 
um, that it, it really, I would call that, I guess that would be the definition of pseudoscience, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. So yeah. that's how I would say it. It really is pseudoscience. Right. Um, uh, okay. So that's, that's one thing I wanted to get out there. But um, mm-hmm. the other, um, to answer your question from my perspective, well, from, uh, from a you know, Christian perspective, and a lot of these folks are, you know, people of faith, not all of them. Um, I would, uh, and, and um, you know, there, this is something we haven't talked about yet, um, but there, there is a tradition in, in, in Christian circles to, to try to bolster the notion of a flat earth from scripture. And they'll, you know, lots of proof texting of different uh, scripture, um, different verses, and particularly the Old Testament, about uh, that seem to indicate a flat earth. Um, and so there's some of that that's mixed into this too. I think the, the stuff that we're talking about here, particularly this flatter society in Denver, or sorry, Fort Collins, um, is uh, a more of a secular movement, but um, there, there does seem to be some religious elements. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, setting that up, I, um, I would appeal, you know, if I were in a conversation with one of these folks, you know, at a bar or something like that, I would... <laughs> You know, who knows? Maybe. Um, maybe I, I met Fort Collins for, you know, I, I, I've been through there before, so. Well, New uh, Belgium. I mean, yeah, it's a place right, to go. Exactly. There you go. Um, but say I were there, and um, I would appeal to their um, their uh, commitment to truth. Because it's clear that, that, that at least as far as they see it, they are trying to get the truth. They're trying to get at the truth. They just believe that, honestly believe that, the government is lying to them about, you know, space missions and, and the other things that seem to show the Earth is round. They wrap this up into a larger, um, uh, you know, you know, attitude that okay, the the government and other people in power are trying to control us. In fact, there's a quote here from one of the folks in the meeting and from this Dem- um, this uh, Denver Post article. It's not about money. They want complete mind control, referring to you know the government and other people in power they want to create two classes the ultra rich and servants at that point they would have taken over the world and enslaved the population and controlled everything there's something bigger behind this you know there's this fear that okay there's everybody's out to get us the government's out to get us to control us we are going to have our little enclave here that is trying to get at the real truth and there's some solidarity there that helps perpetuate things, right? I mean, I'm I'm waxing uh, psychological here, and I'm I'm not the psychologist, um, but okay, great, thanks. <laughs> um, uh, but there's this sort of you know, okay, we're part of this group that that is you know trying to get at the truth, and and that makes us feel better, you know, that you know, we we're, we can we're we're persecuted, we're we're in the minority. In fact, they named their meetings something along the lines of. Uh, um, uh, flat Earth, something, and, and and other forbidden topics. Right. Yeah. Um, so there's sort of this like kind of we you know kind of uh, oh yeah we're we're talking about forbidden stuff. I mean this is that that sort of gets the blood flowing you know hmm. and and sort of engenders that solidarity. But I'm kind of rambling hmm. to pull it back a little bit here. Um, I would I would affirm you know that we all want to get at the truth and I would make it clear that you know I you know I agree with the idea of not taking what say the government or whatever says at face value in fact as a scientist 
I need to search this out for myself. And it seems like this is, you know, what one, some of these fellows did, is that they ser- tried to search things out for themselves, and they just, like Charles was saying, got some bad information, some incorrect ideas in their head that then just snowballed from there. Hmm. But their motives themselves aren't necessarily bad. So I would kind of respond in that in mm-hmm. that regard. Say, hey, I'm a seeker of the truth, too, from both a scientific and a Christian perspective. I want to know what the truth is. Mm-hmm. I believe that the 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 evidence is you know very overwhelmingly uh, showing a spherical Earth for many reasons, and I see no reason to to try to um, you know uh, break from that you know. Sure. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess I, it, that would be how I would start. There would be a lot sure. of details I go in from there, but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. So hmm. I certainly wouldn't call them crazy or or or, or mock them. I think. At some point, maybe that you know, that I that that might be on the table. Not mocking so much, but just <laughs> you know, um, cutting off mocking, discussion. Yeah, right. Begging off, or you know, it's one thing to mock a person; it's another thing to to mock a, a viewpoint. Um, and I do believe that this viewpoint does deserve ridicule, right? Um, at some level, mm-hmm. but that's that's different from the people involved. So, right. Right. Anyway. I mean, as a scientist, the best way to ridicule it, if, as it were, is to explain what, explain things that the model can't explain, uh, or to you know to 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 come up with observations that 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 simply don't fit the model at all. Now that may you know that may end up in an infinite loop. Um, as you build epicycles upon epicycles upon epicycles, but right, um, but that's where that principle of parsimony comes in. Yeah, if you don't. Oh, sure. And if you don't, you know, if at some point you might say, "Well, I just don't agree with that principle," then then you really can't get much. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, I mean, it's it's true. not that that principle is like the end all and be all, you know, of everything, but it's right. it's a very useful one in science. It's it's served mm-hmm. us well. We we'd be loath to. I'd be loath to just cast that away, you know, right. for arbitrary reasons. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Um, Charles, any ideas? Any thoughts? Uh, only to uh, uh, sort of echo what uh, Dan has said here. I mean, uh, we'd have to, uh, mm-hmm. you know, talk about this at a case by case basis. Uh, yeah, you you're not going to convince people uh, by going in. Uh, on the offensive, you know, making fun of them, making accusations or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as Christians, I believe that uh, we should be treating, you know, all, everybody with a certain degree of respect and consideration. Mm-hmm. <coughs> so yeah, you'd have to uh, play it by ear in uh, each specific circumstance. And yes, there does come a point mm-hmm. uh, in at, at which you know you, you have to say, I, I'm, I'm going to have to walk away here. Uh, yeah, and yeah. that's just going to be a matter of individual discernment. Right, right. I mean, I, I, at some level, you can spend an awful lot of time trying to convince people who won't be convinced um, by evidence that that contradicts their 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 models. Um, right. This, I, I think, this is something that probably every graduate student in physics has. has <laughs> maybe not every graduate student in physics, but uh, but many. 
uh, have fallen into the trap of getting into endless discussions with people who propose uh, goofy models for this or that or the other thing. Um, I know I did. <laughs> I spent a lot of time talking with individuals who were convinced of, of, of very, very unusual things, in, uh, in, in, including one, one gentleman who um, I, I probably carried on conversation by email with him for uh, well more than two or three years um, in the old Usenet days um, uh, who was convinced or who was promoting the idea that the earth was a um, was one of the electrons uh, <laughs> in orbit around a giant plutonium atom and uh, oh this, this is this the Archimedes plutonium this is Archimedes plutonium yeah I've seen I've seen that there was a he was very active back in the <laughs> Late nineties. It, it was the nineties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I, if you if you if you Google, he's written a, a movie script that I'm oh, in. Oh boy! So uh, you're in <laughs> it. I'm in it. Oh, <laughs> oh I, I totally have to this. Google this now. You you, oh, you, you got you got to go find it. Um, I had no. That's a weird connection. I didn't know. Uh, it. Okay. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> you need I, I to put a link in the show notes, Todd. <laughs> yes. I'll have to dig it up. I'll see if I can I, find it. I've heard of this guy before, but I had no idea that you had this oh, interaction with him. Oh, that's, yes. That's oh, yes. Really Archimedes Plutonium is only his last name, his, 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 his most recent name. Oh, that's his name? He, 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 he was Ludwig von Ludwig at one time. Dang. And then became Ludwig von, von Plutonium. Wow. And then changed his name to Archimedes when he really uh, got too full of himself, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He was at Dartmouth uh, as a dishwasher, apparently. I, I don't know even if that that part of the story is true, but that's, um, yeah, well well known guy in the Northeast, I guess. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, I spent a lot of time talking to him. There there are others. I mean, especially if you're in particle physics like I am, all the weird particle models uh, people are trying to shop, um, and they'll send you things. They'll send you books. Uh, I, I remember a guy who uh, had some um, notion that the universe was basically constructed out of neutrinos. Everything was out of combinations of neutrinos. And uh, he actually ended up at a division of particles and fields of the American Physical Society meeting uh, with, you know, 30, 30 printed hardback copies that he was handing out. Um, um, and uh, yeah, so I, I I don't know. You can you can spend a lot of time. Um, may not you know one of the, one of the things I think that 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 I find uh, it it more justifiable to maybe spend a little bit more time with people like the flat earthers is that they do profess many of them do profess to be Christians, and there is. Um, I don't know. I guess there's more of a draw there because you know that there's something common in that that, that, sh that we share with them. Um, that would be a commitment to um, commitment to veracity, right? I mean, sure. uh, that that wouldn't necessarily wouldn't necessarily have you know you wouldn't necessarily have that leg to stand on with with some. Uh, with with others, at least in the same way, I think yeah, everybody I probably says that. that they're searching for truth. But right, 
Yeah, so this is one thing that, that, that um, I, I, another quote I noticed from, from one of the Flat Earth uh, Society members um, mm -hmm. uh, that was uh, again quoted in this Denver Post article. It's like, they want you to think you're insignificant. They being ostensibly the mainstream believers in the spherical Earth or at least the leaders, of, or I don't know exactly what. But uh, they want you to think you're insignificant, a speck on the Earth, a cosmic mistake. The flat Earth says you're special. We are special. There is a creator. This isn't some accident. So it seems to me that there's another motivation here that, that, that there's this, in my opinion, very mistaken idea that the standard you know, cosmological scenario is somehow um, somehow demeaning of humanity's place in the universe um, and demeaning of the notion that we are created as special beings and that therefore this this flat earth view somehow is closer it makes it makes um, it makes us more special it makes us more front and center some way and and uh, so we're going to take comfort in that. And so if that's some of the motivation behind it, another thing I would say is like, well, I, you know, I would just deny that, that the that standard cosmology has anything to say about our significance in the eyes of, cre of a creator. It's, you know, um, if, if anything, you can make arguments the other way. Um, what about why ask them why they believe that somehow that makes us insignificant is it just because some, a lot of the people professing this this the the standard you know cosmology happen to be non-believers um in which case i would say there's a separation between you know your philosophical and theological view of and and scientific views or you know is it really something you think that's intrinsic in the cosmology itself that's doing that and so I would explore that, that terrain with them to the extent that they want it to um, and say, well, I just don't believe that there's any reason to think that it does, you know, and uh, does make us look into it. Especially uh, and, uh, since uh, spherical Earth has been uh, the overwhelmingly dominant uh, perspective uh, in the church for, uh, you know, well, since before there was uh, a church. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's a good, yeah good point. Um, it just seems it seems like there's this sort of comfort in thinking, okay, if the Earth really is flat and there really is this conspiracy out there, then that you know there's sort of like oh gosh, how do I how do I put this? Um, all of that stuff is you know some railing against you know our special place in the universe. Because, I mean, let's face it, if the Earth was flat, you know, and was essentially the universe, so to speak, then then um, it's it, it sort of makes sense that there would be something really super you know, obviously special about us being on, I don't know, does that make sense what I'm saying? It, at least from that perspective, it's sort of a, a, a strong motivation to... Um, to sort of dig your heels in, hmm. uh, I I, get, I I don't I don't know if I'm making sense about that, but at least uh, at least it seems to be a powerful 
powerful thing in, in the mind, some of the minds of the of these folks. So, hmm. at least some of them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's eleven twenty a.m. here. <clears throat> we should probably run run for the doors. Um, and I know Dan, you've got things to do. And uh, yep. I, I, I think, uh, you know, at least this has been interesting for, uh, from to, to hear, for, certainly for me to hear from Charles uh, uh, on, on, on some of the connections to conspiracy theories and whatnot. And, um, you know, with the solar eclipse coming up on the 21st, um, it would be interesting to see what, what uh, kinds of things these people have to say about how eclipses come about um but um yeah so uh we are i think going yeah. to be taking well <laughs> an intentional pause maybe and uh th through most of the rest of the summer we've got a couple of shows to to upload uh that will be up by the time this broadcast uh, occurs of course um, but we'll be back at it in uh, the early fall. Um, we've got a number of topics rolling around in our brains uh, that I think we'll uh, address. Um, uh, but I don't know that I can say what we will be doing next. Um, gentlemen, um, any, any last thoughts? Anything you'd like to add? Any way you'd like to finish us off? Uh, just that uh, I'm uh, I'm surprised uh, I was able to make it all the way through this episode without making any Terry Pratchett Discworld references. Oh wow! <laughs> well, now you did. Ah, there you go. Success. You so you, you so you didn't make it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The turtle continues to fly. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, it's, is it accelerating turtle? That's that's the yeah. question. At nine point eight. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Good stuff. All right. Well, um, thank you all uh, for listening, and we'll see you when we're back. Book of Nature is a member podcast of the Christian Humanist Radio Empire. Our press liaison is Kristen Philippic. If you'd like to get in touch with us, uh, email us at bookofnaturepodcast.com at gmail.com. That's bookofnaturepodcast at gmail.com. No uh, capitalization or spaces in that email address. You can also find us on Facebook. Uh, you can leave us a review at iTunes. Uh, reviews are the way that uh, our podcast becomes visible. So please do so. So uh, this has been Todd Pedler on behalf of Dan Dawson and Charles Hackney saying thanks for listening. <laughs>